The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. When it comes to prenuptial agreements in Ireland, it's not all black and white in the divorce process. Prenups can be written, terms agreed upon before a marriage. However, post-marriage, the division of assets, is not defined fully by the prenup as it is not strictly binding in Ireland. Now, joining me in studio is Alan Finnerty, partner at Orpen Frank Solicitors and uh, practising in family law. Alan, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Okay, um, definition of a prenuptial agreement before we talk about its status in this jurisdiction what should it contain how should it be drafted well it's an agreement between two people who plan to marry and it typically covers what should happen on the breakdown of the marriage Uh, I suppose that's the first scenario that's to the forefront of people's minds but it also deals with what should happen on the death of one of the spouses and um, typically I suppose you have to ask yourself who who requests a prenuptial agreement Mm -hmm. and I suppose there's two broad categories of persons they sort of intertwine but generally speaking it's somebody of independent wealth yeah who's um bringing into the marriage um family wealth or independently acquired and is trying to preserve that wealth irrespective of what might happen within the marriage that's correct and also and then the other broad, broad category of persons would be people who've been previously married such as yeah. Kevin Costner, who you've oh, okay. we'll, we'll this morning. talk about Kevin Costner yeah. in, in a moment. Now, uh, independent wealth—it might not be, you know, gazillions of euro. It might be um, something like Kevin Costner has—a spread, a family farm. Yes, and they want to make sure that, irrespective of what happens, that that farm remains in the family of the owner, rather than be divvied in the event of uh, a breakup with the other party's family. Um, yes, I suppose. Well, I suppose somebody is trying to preserve independent wealth uh, so that they would retain it um, on the breakdown of the marriage, but also, and given that the agreements cover what happens in the event of death, they're trying to preserve independent wealth mm. so that it's passed on to their children. Now, in the event of a breakup, typically what happens? Is it 50-50, end of uh, two spouses, they part, the assets are, and indeed the debts, divided. Oh, that's the dread question to ask. No, uh, w- Irish law requires that proper provision is provided uh, for both spouses and for any dependent children. And proper provision doesn't necessarily entail or require equal division. Uh, much depends upon uh, the circumstances of each case. And I suppose if you ask the question as to what legal status uh, prenuptial agreements have in Irish law, um, they're sort of down in a pecking pecking order, if you like, because the court has to make proper provision, as I said, and the court has to have regard to certain uh, factors uh, in making financial provision. And I suppose in terms of In terms of prenuptial agreements, I suppose the two factors that probably stand out the most is is the court has to have regard to the length of marriage and the court also has to have regard to the effect upon the income and uh, the effect upon the income and earning capacity of a spouse as a result of the marriage. So, uh, for example, someone who is divorced from someone or is heading for a divorce and is of Working age and has the ability to get a job. Yes. That will be factored in. The, the court might say, you are sound in wind and limb. Mm-hmm. You're capable of working yourself and partly supporting uh, your children. Um, so that would be, that would come into the calculation. Oh, absolutely it would. I think there's, uh, absolutely, I think maybe one kind of useful thing to consider. There was a very, there's an interesting decision of the Supreme Court in England 
where they were asked to, it, it, it was a, a case of Radmacher and Granatino. And the, uh, it was, if you like, it was a divorce fought uh, over three rounds. It started off in the High Court, went on to the Court of Appeal and on to the Supreme Court. And at the centre of that case was the question as to what weight should be given to an agreement uh, between a husband and wife, in this instance, uh, made before the marriage. Yeah. And um, the, the parties concerned, one, uh, the wife was a German lady and the husband was a Frenchman. And they entered into... Uh, three months before they married, um, they uh, entered into a prenuptial agreement in Germany uh, where that prenuptial agreement would have been binding. And the the nature of the agreement was is that neither party was to uh, acquire any benefit from the property of the other during the marriage or on its termination. Okay, so what you brought in, you took out again. That's exactly it. And a, a kind of complicating factor of this one was so that, that it was... Uh, if the wife or the intended uh, future wife entered into the agreement, she was going to receive what you might call a chunk of family wealth, provided she entered into the agreement. Ah. But the parties married in, I think, in 1998 in London, and they went on to have two children. And the husband, and this goes back to the question you were asking, the husband was banker. And during the course of the marriage, he decided that he would take a break from the... Uh, from banking. From banking. And he went off to do, carry out independent, he went off to carry out research in Oxford. And there was no income. Uh, that's it. And the, well, I don't quite know whether he, he had any, uh, any income, but in any event, he went from being, if you like, a banker to somebody who was doing research. And the parties having married in 1998, separated in October uh, 2006. And the husband wasn't satisfied with the prenuptial agreement and he looked for financial provision. And he went off to the High Court in England and the High Court uh, judge, uh, she granted him uh, 5.5 million sterling. Okay. And the purpose of all of this was so that he could have an income of £100,000 for life. And also that that sum of money would allow him uh, uh, to be able to buy a house in London and the children could visit. So Ms. Radmacher was not happy. She wasn't happy with that outcome. So she took herself off to the Court of Appeal because the High Court had reduced the weight, if you like, Mm -hmm. of the agreement. And the Court of Appeal, she came out of the Court of Appeal an awful lot happier because uh, the Court of Appeal gave a decisive weight to what was in the prenuptial agreement. Um, So end of round two, husband dissatisfied on this occasion and off he goes to the Supreme Court where um, nine judges, eight lords and uh, (laughs) one lady uh, were asked to come to a decision. And they... Eight of the lords all came to the same decision and they said, well, look, uh, there was one written judgment, but the the president of the Supreme Court said, look, separation agreements are given weight. Uh, so so should uh, prenuptial agreements. So in the same way that an agreement reached at the breakdown of a marriage is given weight, an agreement reached eyes wide open where people yeah. have been independently advised whether free autonomous adults should be given weight. So well, what did he end up with? Well, I, I'm not actually going to re- recite what, what he ended up with, but weight was given to what was gi- what was in the yeah. prenuptial what agreement. What implications does that have in the Irish courts then? Well, if you asked yourself what the Irish courts might do, you, you go and you look at the dissenting judgment, or at least that's how you frame the debate. And the dissenting judgment was basically that, look, marriage is marriage. It's not cohabitation. And people, they have a mutual duty to support one another. And that's the essential feature of a marital relationship. 
So there is something that Lady Hale, who was the dissenting judge, said was an irreducible minimum. So you come back to Ireland and you ask yourself, what might a court have done in, in that instance or what might a court might do? And our constitution says, it pledges actually it, itself to, to guard with special care, guard with special care, the institution of marriage. And so how do you do that if people are getting out of the institution? You're back to your question as to what's proper provision and you're back to the whole question of all of those other factors that have to be taken into account. It, it strikes me, and we've talked about this over many years, that our uh, divorce jurisdiction here is is utterly flawed. I mean, for example, there's only a certain amount of income uh, there between the two parties and then one or other party uh, separates, goes on to form another relationship and therefore maybe has more children. Mm-hmm. And the amount of cash that's available to support all the different families involved in all of this mm. uh, becomes problematic because the original decision in terms of maintenance and cash amounts and so on uh, would have to be altered, maybe leading to the deprivation of a first family of certain rights that they'd won in court. To, in order to provide food on the table for the next family? Well, I think, look, the, we don't live in an ideal world and each case has to be looked at in the context of what is there. One of the things that's interesting about that English Supreme Court decision is the judge said, look, you can't be compensated simply because as an adult you take a choice to take yourself off mm. to Oxford and so on. But I think the most useful way of looking at it and thinking about it is if you look at that figure of justice above the um, four courts, uh, not only is she blindfolded, not because she's not supposed to be paying attention or, uh, to detail, but because she's supposed to be impartial. Uh, but what she's holding up is the scales. Yeah. And it's not the scales that you might find on your bathroom floor that's going to give you a, a definite answer yeah. as to what the good news or the bad news. It's a weighing scales. And it's put, not level. No, but you have to, there's a balancing out exercise yeah. that has to be. And, that, and that's why the trays on either side of the scales are not level with each other. No. Because no. there will be an element of judgment involved in, in all of this. Absolutely. So uh, finally then, what of Kevin Costner? How would he get on in this jurisdiction I think he might be in a spot of bother if he were trying to rely upon his prenuptial agreement now I'm reliant upon the Daily Mail but uh, you know uh, uh, and according th- this morning's update was to the effect that he's worth 250 million dollars yeah and it seems that they he, he and his wife were married in 2004 so you know they've been married yeah. for 19 years and they had three children that's a long stretch in Hollywood it is indeed and um, they entered the prenuptial agreement of 2004 I don't know whether it's ever been updated that is something that people should consider if they do have prenuptial agreements but um, it, it seems that I mean, it provided that on the breakdown of the marriage his wife would receive 1.4 million dollars in order to rehouse herself mm-hmm. now that's a uh, uh, the, his spokespersons are criticising her for having a bene- having had the benefits of the agreement. I don't quite know what they were. Uh, she was married to the man after all. She did bear him three children. Um, but, and so she shouldn't be complaining about this one per burden. But, but I suppose when you think about it, the real problem is, is that he doesn't want, that she's refusing to leave the family home, which is estimated to be worth $145 million. Mm. And she's supposed to take herself, pack her bags, take herself out and uh, Into a, buy, a, a, buy, a buy slum at 1.4 million. <laughs> so you can sort of understand why she might be hesitating about doing that. <laughs> well, it's uh, fascinating stuff. Alan Finnerty, partner at Orpen Frank Solicitors, practicing in family law. Alan, thank you very much for joining us. 
The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.